Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's. Juicy Angus beef and a lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the first edition of the Macca's Run. Every night uh, during the week on SEN, the Macca's Run will get you up to speed on everything that's been making news in the world of sport throughout the course of the day. We will put up the four tastiest items on the menu for you to devour, and you can have your say on the news of the day. one 736 736 is the number to call at any time. And one 736 736 is our temper text line. Temper, a mattress like no other. The Maccas run all for McDonald's. Try the Aussie Angus Burger at Maccas today. So as we set the menu for what's been a very, very big day, the reaction to Justin Langer's resignation has been pretty fierce throughout the weekend, and it continued on today. Jerry Waitley came back uh, from annual leave early to put together a one-hour special as the fallout uh, to a story that I can't remember being uh, this fever pitch since Sandpaper Gate in 2018. Such has been the response to the Justin Langer situation. I cannot remember cricket being more divided and emotions running as high as they are now since that day, ironically, the day after when Justin Langer came in with Tim Payne to try and rescue Australian cricket, dig it out of its deepest hole. And we find ourselves in this situation now where cricket seems to be at war with itself again. Throughout the course of the weekend, you would have heard it from Ricky Ponting. You would have heard from Matt Hayden. You would have heard from Mitchell Johnson. You would have heard from Steve Waugh. You would have heard from Ricky Ponting. You would have heard from Mark Taylor. You would have heard from Michael Clark, Ian Chappell as well, as the cricket world gives their view uh, on Justin Langer's uh, resignation and the end of his tenure uh, as coach of the Australian cricket team. Today, uh, Adam Gilchrist was on with Gerard Waitley and spoke about the lack of transparency uh, from Cricket Australia. It's just the, the uncertainty of truth or the, the, the un, uh, lack of information that the public who... You know, we often hear are the key stakeholders in the game, and I'd like to get to that word stakeholder eventually, but uh, that the public, uh, we're bereft of information continually from Cricket Australia, and it seems, take take the decision that was made out of it, it's the follow-up and, and, and the lead-up to the decision that just baffles so many people and means it's very, very hard to form a solid judgment on what actually has happened. It is a lack of detail and almost a feeling that things are continually being covered up and tried to be swept under the carpet to move ahead in the in the understanding that it may just go away and, and it feels like we're at that place again. We all know that Adam Gilchrist is uh, very firm friends with Justin Langer and he spoke about Justin Langer uh, as a person and about his coaching record. I had a very emotional reaction. You know, it goes without saying that Justin Langer and I and many other players that he played with are as tight a group of friends as it, we could ever possibly hope to have. So that, that's a given and that's on the table. I think he was a remarkably amazing cricketer and, and I think he's a, an even better person. Uh, and I personally think that his coaching record over 10 years would 
say that he's possibly one of, if not the most successful coaches in, in the history of the game. Adam Gilchrist with Jared Whaley, the one-hour special that is up to be podcast uh, and to be caught up on sen.com.au. Uh, uh, Gilly spoke uh, about what Justin Langer was asked to do, picking up the team uh, from out of the gutter after the events in South Africa. Justin was asked to come in and, and do a job and pick the team up and the profile of the team and the perception of the team in a public space right up out of the gutter. And that's, let's be honest, that's where it was. One of the lowest moments in Australian career history. So he was tasked with a job and there's no denying that he's successfully done that. What, what I wonder, and I, I don't care to get into a battle with you know, current players, you know, the, the, it, that's been going on for every generation after generation, hasn't it? But I remember I've, I've tried to put my player cap back on and I remember... As a player, we thought we knew it all. We thought we knew everything that was right and how things should go. And it's only through time and, and hindsight that you realise that you didn't. And, and that's simple. That's life and that's experience as we um, move ahead and, and learn and draw on those experiences and start to get perspective, particularly from uh, and guidance from more experienced people. And then you start to formulate differing opinions at times. So... That, that's fine, and, and the players are well and truly entitled to have their uh, input into back-to-head office to say how things are going and, and how they feel about situations. That's, that's not in dispute here at all. Adam Gilchrist with Jerry Whiteley uh, earlier on today. He spoke about the fact that uh, there might have been players that thought differently about Justin Langer and felt that they couldn't voice uh, their position uh, on Justin Langer. But he also spoke about the way in which Justin Langer, he believes, uh, has been painted. He's been put out in a situation and painted a certain way. He's been painted by some particular people as a monster. That is not Justin Langer. He'll be the first to admit that he has his uh, frailties, he has his, his areas of weakness, but gee, he'll sit and look you in the eye and, and he'll work it out with you. So he's being painted as a monster. What sort of effect does that, would that have on you personally? And what's the flow-on effect onto your family and the people that are closest and nearest and dearest to you, particularly through a period of time when you are not really understanding what is going on? It, it's continual rumour and innuendo. Adam Gilchrist, uh, it's all there, sen.com.au, the one-hour special today. Jared Waitley uh, spoke to, to Gilly, he spoke to Mike Atherton, he spoke to Crash Craddock as well, and, and Jared gave his view uh, on the Justin Langer situation. The summer scorecard reads, Captain abandoned, coach run out. The players wholeheartedly committed to the tasks but never deviated on the need for change. And they never defaulted to the typical platitudes and meaningless cliches supporting the under-pressure coach. It's one of those rare moments in sport where winning papered over nothing. Langer was depicted by the chief executive as an obstacle to unity. That's not to be dismissed lightly. In a gracious resignation letter, Langer apologised if the values he preached were at times too intense. Langer did the job he was hired to do at the grimmest moment in Australian cricket history. As it turns out, he was a wartime leader who sought to do more than improve the technique of a batter or refine the bowling lengths. 
He understood the essence of Australian cricket. It made him uniquely qualified at that moment in time. The essence of Australian cricket as opposed as distinct from cricket in general. He took the country with him, but he lost his players along the way. Jerry Whateley today, uh, his full take, sen.com.au. This is the Macca's Run on SEN. Your say on the news of the day to have it, one 736 736 It is a great analogy, isn't it, taking from the godfather, the wartime consigliere. Tom Hagen was dismissed because he wasn't a wartime consigliere. Michael Corleone said who better than his father to get him through that point. And then at the moment, it seems like for Australian cricketers that they would like a Tom Hagen type, a more deft touch a more subtle influence uh, around the group, maybe more deferential to, to their needs. That is a great analogy. He was a wartime consigliere when he was needed to be, and now we don't need a wartime consigliere. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Mike Atherton joined Jared Waitley today. As ironically as this could possibly be, we've got an England coach, Chris Silverwood, sacked for being too soft on players, and it would seem Justin Langer now sacked for being. Uh, too harsh on players. So what would that mean? Would England look at someone like a Justin Langer to take the helm uh, of their side and country setup? Mike Atherton. It's certainly going to be a conversation. I mean, there's two aspects to it, isn't there? One, would Justin Langer want to do it? He seems to be a, a kind of guy who bleeds green and gold rather than the blue of England, for sure. And it might be hard to see him in that, in that position. Uh, and he's just had... Uh, four years of very intense work with Australia. He's not been home for, what, six months? I think he's just got home, hasn't he, for the first time in six months, not seen his family for a long time. So England would want a, a permanent coach in place by the start of the summer, which you're talking May, June time, really, in England. Uh, they'll have an interim for the Caribbean tour. Um, but there are certain things that, that that would fit. He knows English cricket. He's played county cricket. He knows Andrew Strauss well. They played together at Middlesex, have a high regard for each other. And as I say, that England are looking for somebody alongside Joe Root, who's a bit more got a bit more drive, if you like, than perhaps was the case under Chris Silverwood's coaching um, outfit. So there's certain elements that fit, but I would have thought that you, everybody's a long way from that. Not, they wouldn't have even had a conversation. Andrew Strauss has only just got his feet under the desk as the interim director of cricket here, and we'll have loads of names uh, on his short list to get in touch with, to talk about, to think about. England are very strongly thinking about splitting the coaching roles as well between red ball and white ball. Uh, obviously, Justin was the kind of coach that liked to be uh, in control or in charge of the whole lot. Mike Atherton with Jerry Whateley earlier on today, sen.com.au. Uh, still a fair bit to get through uh, in terms of reaction and audio from the day. Todd Greenberg was on uh, SEN speaking to Dwayne Russell. Uh, he's the head of the Players Association. Uh, we'll hear some of what he had to say. Gideon Haig, uh, esteemed cricket writer, gave his view on how this is sitting with him. But it does leave a, a sour taste, I think, with that sense that you often get in Australian cricket of that you're not being told everything that, uh, that, that matters. And also of a sense of just how little people seem to matter at, at Jollymont. You know, if they treat a great servant of the game like this, just imagine what they get away with in private. 
Gideon Haig, um, when it comes to the England position, Kevin Peterson has tweeted, if you think all the coaching style, uh, if you all think the coaching style of Langer will be accepted by high-profile England players, you've got another thing coming. Players are way too powerful these days to have a strict headmaster monitoring their every word and move. That's why players got rid of him in Oz, with an exclamation mark on the back of that. I remember thinking after Alistair Clarkson's time at Hawthorne came to an end in the most inglorious of circumstances. I remember thinking at the time, it takes a special type of incompetence when it comes to governance to ruin the exit of a legend uh, of a club and in the same process, tarnish the reputation of the incoming coach at the same time as it did with Sam Mitchell. That was until I saw this, where Cricket Australia not only have tarnished the exit of one of the greatest servants to the baggy green that we've seen, they have actually tarnished the reputation in the process of Pat Cummins because he's wearing a lot of bullets at the minute. Mitch Johnson hasn't missed him, and there are certain uh, plenty of people who are looking to point the finger at him and the players uh, for his what his role might have been uh, in the downfall of Justin Lang. And that's what happens when your governance doesn't make strong and clear, decisive decisions set to a clear uh, and easy to follow and a process that everybody is on board with. When you make the pl- when you make the person have to make the decision themselves after giving them a no-win situation, that is the worst kind of governance. And not only do you ruin the departure of a man who d- does not deserve to have his exit ruined, it, whether or not you agree that it was his time to go or not time to go, the way in which it's been handled is an embarrassment to an organisation that continues to tell us how great they are with corporate speak and buzzwords about processes and cultures and all this kind of thing. You cannot sit there and look yourself in the mirror and say that we've handled this well because you have ruined the exit of a guy that has saved cricket from its darkest hour alongside with Tim Payne. And in the process, you've had people now throwing rocks at your newly installed captain. It couldn't get any worse for Cricket Australia in this space. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Isaac Quainor is going to join us. Collingwood uh, announced a three-year contract extension uh, of the rebounding halfback flanker today on the same day that Sam Walsh has signed a four-year extension uh, and Denver Granger Barras a couple of years more at the Hawks as well. So rising stars re-signing. Isaac Quainor is going to join us before we get to the break. Tony in East Bentley with his view uh, on the Justin Langer Cricket Australia situation. G'day, Tony. Good evening, Sam, and welcome back. Thank you. I think the whole, I think the whole cricket board need to resign, and the CEO. You just touched on governance. What the board should have done was set the framework and the reference to a cricket subcommittee for the coach that had Nick Hockley report to them, and there would have been no leaking because everyone outside of that cricket subcommittee, which would have been Rao, the chairman, and a HR person would have had control of the whole process, whether Langer got appointed or not. Yet we're hearing that players have gone to certain board members and everyone's leaked on the board. The corporate governance of that board is non-existent. They all have to go over this. And Tim Payne, and it just keeps going on and on. They haven't learned from Bill Laurie back in the 60s when he got sacked. Yeah, it, 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 it's nobody has been able to cover themselves in glory. And it would seem that uh, for all the talk of leadership and all the talk of processes and all the talk of cultures and all the talk of transitions and all that talk, Tony, it's just been talk because you have every single great of Australian cricket lining up to tell you that the way in which this has been handled is appalling. And they can't all be wrong. At the end of the day, they cannot all be wrong. Not one former great of the game, not one expert 
on cricket. Not one journalist who covers this day in, day out has had any kind of praise whatsoever for the way in which Cricket Australia have handled Justin Langer's exit. And that speaks volumes. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. This is the Macca's run, and we do it all uh, for the Aussie Angus Burger. Make sure you get in and try uh, one of those today, the Aussie Angus Burger at Macca's today. This is the Macca's run, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Isaac Quainer to join me after 6.30. Uh, welcome back to the Macca's run. Your say on the news of the day. This hour dedicated to the biggest stories of the day and your view on them. The biggest item on the Macca's menu is the Aussie Angus Burger. Make sure you try that at Macca's today. The biggest item on our menu is Justin Langer's inglorious departure, uh, resigning as coach of the Australian cricket side. Uh, your say on it, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can text in 0433-981116 on the temper. Temper, a mattress like no other. Let's get to Hassa from Narracourt. G'day, Hassa. G'day, Sammy. How you going, mate? Well, thank you. I, I'm a fanatical Melbourne supporter, and it's been taking 57 years, but I can just see a correlation between what we did to Norm Smith and what we've done to Justin Langer. I mean, I, I just can't believe it, mate. It's, it's history has shown us that it's not always well advised to treat your greats with a complete lack of respect on their way out the door, regardless of whether it's time or not time. You're right, Hassett. History has shown us that it never really uh, ends well uh, in that space. Thank you for the call, mate, and uh, enjoy your reigning premiers and good luck for Melbourne for, for the year, mate. Barry and Eltham, g'day, Baz. Yeah, g'day, Sam. I'm in right, but the, the critical issue with management... Uh, whether we love him or hate him, is you have to have the courage of your conviction. Mm. And in, in this case, Cricket Australia have absolutely shown to be cowards. They they created the situation where they wanted Langer to resign rather than sack him. Now, that's disgraceful. But further to that, we need to hear what is the description of the, the Australian cricket team coach's job. Yep. What power does he have? It appears in this case that the players have led to his demise when he's been the most successful, the most driven coach we've seen for a while. And not only that, he saved us from Sandpaper Gate. I mean, it's it's a disgrace. Yeah, I agree with you, Barry. They need to have a very clear job description because it seems like none of the credit when things are going well, all the blame when things aren't uh, very little respect. Oh, they don't really do anything. It's just a man manager spot yet in 2020. We've, we've known now that tactics is the, one of the most fundamental elements to having a successful T20 cricket side. So tactics more and more are becoming really important to cricket yet. We seem and Ian Chappell's one that says that he doesn't think the coach makes a whole lot of difference. Well, if that's the case and let's own that. Um, and if you just have to have a man manager in there with some specialist coaching for each of the disciplines, then maybe that's the way to go. But you're right, more clarity needed. And will cricket join the rest of professional sport in actually embracing what coaches bring or will they continue to run that position down when it suits? Uh, it is a great point you raise. Danny and Melton. G'day, Danny. Yeah, g'day, Sam. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you, mate. Good, mate. Good. Hey, look, just quickly, you were talking about Ian Chappell, and I guess mm. that's the point that I wanted to bring up. I did hear him on arrival AM station talking, mm. I think it was yesterday, uh, actually, and also actually Saturday and Sunday. And effective, I don't know if, you, if you've heard his comments. Yeah, but I have. Effectively just, what did you think of the way he talked about Langer basically 
was it good enough to be in WA's team of the century, or the test team of the century, or whatever it was? Um, he effectively dismissed him as ha- having really any input other than um, being sort of a, a bit of a coach um, that really, really didn't do much other than just annoy the, the players. I just, look, I heard it. I was furious. I just, the way he was just, it was like a character assassination as far as I was concerned. It was an interesting segment because he was hypercritical of Cricket Australia. Then he also was uh, defending Pat Cummins especially and the players as well. He was quite critical of the of all the ex-players who have fallen uh, in line, almost in lockstep uh, with their support of Justin Langer. So it was a different take. I thought some of it wasn't quite necessary and didn't need to be added. Um, Ian Chappell, I've had the, the pleasure of meeting once and it, it was a fantastic chat that I was able to have. He's a lovely, lovely man, but I thought that that was pretty disrespectful uh, to, to Justin Langer. It was sort of a little bit of kicking a person when they're down. Um, but the rest of what he had to say, I found to be a really interesting take, um, a little bit contrary to some, but still with a fair bit of condemnation to, to Cricket Australia. And his views on the coach, I thought, and what a coach actually does is pretty interesting as well and needs to be explored uh, a little more. Uh, but, Danny, thank you for your call. Mark in Bacchus Mask. G'day, Mark. Sammy, how you going, my man? Good, mate. What do you got for me? Mate, I want to talk about the government funding being tens of millions of federal money money goes to Cricket Australia to help tick them along. But you know what? While I'm sitting there, I actually twigged on something. Mm-hmm. And it half can be put into the half of the conspiracy theory bracket. But you know what? When you actually think about it, it's actually plausible. This is a, Could you consider the fact that he's actually too good at his job? And because he's too good at his job, He's cost Cricket Australia millions. So Cricket Australia would like tests to go five days. You get five days worth of crowds and so on. And we're winning tests in three, if not four. Well, we won the Ashes in 12. So, yeah, I see where you, I sort of see what so you're saying. They go, so the place is now run by a bunch of businessmen, right? So you think JL's been like sacked it. for being too good? Yeah, because think about the amount of lost revenue... Because tests aren't going day five, so going like this guy's too good. He's actually <laughs> costing us money because he's too good at his job. He's making the games go too short. We need games to run longer for TV revenue and for crowds and all the other associated revenue, signage, whatever. Mate, you think about it, it can actually start to make sense. We're talking tens of millions of dollars of potential revenue. And when it comes to big money like that, strange decisions are made. Mark, I can I can always count on you to have an out of the box take uh, and a left field take, mate. Thank you for the call. Always great to chat to you. Rob's in Cronulla. Good day, Rob. Yeah, hi guys. How are you going? Really well, thank you. That's good. Um, I listened to the AC um, comments on Friday about Justin Langer, and I was just um, I was interested in a, a couple of things. He said that they were consulting with our stakeholders. I was wondering who AC consulted with the stakeholders. Were they the players or were they someone else? Like, who are the stakeholders in this whole thing? That's a, it's a great question, Rob. Um, when it comes to footy, I've, I've always thought that the, that the, the game is, you know, that the AFL um, are the, the keepers of the game, the stakeholders uh, the fans who buy memberships and, and buy merchandise, uh, the, the media who stumps up the money for the broadcast rights, uh, whether it be TV or, or radio every year, uh, the clubs and the players are the product um, and obviously have a big say in the uh, 
in what goes on in the game. But um, that's a great question for cricket. I mean, I'd, I'd like that question answered as well. Who who are the stakeholders? Because it would seem that players, from what Justin Lang has admitted, there were some players and some staff who uh, had uh, were, were keen on him not continuing. Um, when it comes to fans, I can see that off the text, there are there are plenty of people who, who thought it was time for Justin Langer. I haven't seen any text saying that this has been handled well, but I've certainly seen texts from people saying they thought that it was time for Justin Langer to go. The vast majority that come through, though, are very much in support uh, of Justin Langer. So I'm not sure if they spoke to, to, to fans. Um, I've got no idea who they're referring to. I'm assuming, Rob, that it's the players. But I don't know that uh, for a fact because we haven't had any clarity on that. We've just had a lot of buzzwords that Steve Waugh pointed out. Not a lot of concrete information about how this decision was reached um, and why just the offer of a six-month deal and why no strong decision either way from them in the future of Justin Langer. So it's a great question you ask, and I'm sorry I don't have the answer for you. I I hope not to bore you, but I I just had another – because I listened to it, and there was also the talk of – the transition period and they didn't actually make it quite clear and, and this is CA Australia and, and the the journalist didn't ask these questions and I was wondering what the actual transition period was. Yeah again I can't help you because we, we don't know as Steve War as I said pointed out a lot of nice buzzwords a lot of corporate speak a lot of stuff that looks good up on a whiteboard or uh, in a report but we've got very little detail. Very little detail, uh, which is disappointing. And as I said, and thank you for your call, Rob, it's, we, we've managed to botch the exit, whether it was the right time or the wrong time. What we might be able to all agree on is that we've botched the exit of a cricketing great, a man whose service to the baggy green was unquestionable as a player and there was a coach who came in at the darkest hour and we've managed to tarnish our new captain in the process uh, as well. That, that, that is just, it is just a lose, 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 lose. Situation. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. This is the Maccas run uh, for the new Aussie Angus Burger. Tried at Maccas today. Uh, on the other side of this, Isaac Quainor, three-year contract extension with Collingwood today. Sam Walsh was on uh, with Gazy and Andy a little earlier after uh, signing a four-year extension. And Denver Granger Barras, a two-year extension to stay at the Hawks until the end of 2024. Isaac Quainor up next on the Maccas run. A big day of AFL signings today. Of course, Sam Walsh uh, with a four-year extension for him at the Blues for 2026. Hawks fans will be very happy that Denver Granger Barras has signed a two-year extension to keep himself in the brown and gold at the end of 2024. But uh, a man that was taken in the top 20 uh, in the 2018 draft, he's played 35 games now for Collingwood. One of uh, the beautiful Evie, my wonderful partner's favourite players, because she's a mad pie, uh, is Isaac Quainer, who's uh, bedded himself into that Collingwood back six with great aplomb uh, in his time at the club. And he is now extending with Collingwood for another three years after this one. And he's been good enough to give us some time on the Macca's run this evening. Uh, Isaac, hello and congratulations on the uh, on the contract. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for the next three or four years of the Pies and, and thanks for having me as well. No, look, it's an absolute pleasure. How do, in your young career, when, when these sort of things happen, the, the contract stuff, how, how, do, how do you find that process? I know that it's, it's what your manager's there to do, but from a personal point of view, is it a nervous time? Do you, do you get quite heavily involved or do you just push it all to one side and say, you deal with it and just let me know what the details are? Um, no, it's been, it's been 
it's been interesting. Like, I mean, I, don't, I haven't really got too nervous about it because, you know, there's been talks about it for probably the last little bit. So it's been something that's been in, in the works a little bit. So I had a bit of confidence around that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to be part of it a little bit and educate yourself around the whole contracting thing. And my manager's been unreal in regards to keeping me in the loop, going through every last detail so I know exactly what's going on, how many years, you know. And, and it's been really it's been really easy, to be honest. For me, I've kind of been able to sit back and just, um, you know, let, let, the, let the professionals kind of do what they need to do and I'm, and I'm kind of doing what I need to do on the football field. But... Yeah, it's been it's been a pretty seamless um, process, to be honest. You grew up um, as a, a died in the wool Collingwood fan. Um, you were part of the cheer squad, I think. Uh, when you were a kid, you went through their yep. Next Generation Academy. I remember the photo of you standing up there with uh, Simon Prestigiacomo, I think it was, that handed you a jumper when you were pick thirteen in twenty eighteen. How um, yeah. how much does that mean to you that you, you're getting to not only play? Uh, you got drafted to and get to play with a club that you spent your whole life loving, but now to have them show that faith in you again, a, a three-year extension, what does it mean to you personally? Yeah, well, honestly, I, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Like, it's something I can't really even put to words. Like, I mean, genuinely, as a kid, this is, like, I used to, you know, run around, the like, outside the MCG, kicking the footy, watching, watching you know, the people that I'm, some of the people I'm playing with now. And it just it just doesn't feel real to be honest. But you know, it's, I'm I'm blessed. You know, it's Collingwood's one of the better clubs in the in the uh, in the entire competition. And you know, I'll, I've been lucky enough to sign on for another three years. So yeah, I'm pumped. Now, without uh, obviously embarrassing you, it is well known that Scott Pendlebury was one of those players that you grew up idolising. Uh, he's captain again. You get to run out with him again uh, each and every training of each and every week, uh, each and every game uh, that you play. Does does that does that sort of, um, does the excitement of that wear off or now is just, you know, it's just one of the boys or do you still get that feeling that you did when you first got to? That's a great question. Um, I think early on in my first couple of years, I probably still had a, that, you know, that, that little bit of star starstruck. I was just a little bit starstruck by him, I think. And um, I think as I've as I've begun to play more with him, um, and I've kind of matured a little bit as a person, I feel like I've connected with him probably a bit more on like a, a personal level, where I see him as more of a friend rather than a real like an idol or you know mm. something that you really idolise. So it's like, um, yeah, it's been an interesting little a little process there but yeah he's been great for me like I, I love picking his brain he's you know the ultimate professional and you know captain again and you know I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want another person at the um at the steering wheel of the club so it's it's pretty exciting speaking of the steering wheel uh of the club Craig McRae is is obviously the new coach what's life like uh, at the moment how's the first pre-season been under Craig what are the major differences for for you that you've found with him yeah, I think oh, he's he's a crazy been unreal. Like early on, I've I've really connected with him, but it, even in my first meeting with him, and I think he's he's someone that when they speak, you, you really buy into what he's saying, and he has some very very clear philosophies and values that he stands for, and I think he's very consistent with them, which is which is something that I think people buy into. So I, it's been it's been exciting. I think there's been a bit of a cultural shift. There's obviously been a lot of change over the last twelve months. So. Um, you know that's obviously to be expected, but he's been he's been at the forefront of that, really driving that, and um, yeah, it's made it a real a real homely and family environment in my mind, and I feel I feel so comfortable at that place. Like I got some of my best mates that I get to play with every day, which is you know 
makes it even more exciting. You had a, a career best year last year. All your numbers were up on what your career average has been so far. I know you're only 35 games into uh, your playing journey, but what's what's the focus for you coming into this year from a personal point of view? We know what the team focus is as a young group to, to improve and get better and win games and all that kind of stuff and uh, to get on this rebuild un, under a new coach. But what about for you personally, Isaac? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I, 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 it's a tough one because I haven't, I haven't really put too much thought into exactly what I want to get out of. But I think for me, I just want to stay consistent. I think if I can continue to keep building my brand, um, my confidence will only go up. And I think that's when, you know, the, the individual accolades, like, the, you know, the All-Australians, the 2200, 22, you know, BNFs, that, that stuff all comes off the back of that. So I'm just... I just want to keep doing what I can do and, and feel more confident out there each game. And I think all of that stuff will come. So I just, I haven't really a real clear goal like that, but I think just consistency is important for me this year. Now, when you say brand, I, I know that you don't mean um, becoming an Instagram influencer, but when you say brand, <laughs> I, I, I believe that you mean what Football you are brand. as a player. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think your brand is currently? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I bring I'm going to break the lines with my speed and take the game on with my kick well. But I also pride myself on defense. I feel like, um, you know, I I don't like to be beaten in one on ones. I feel like if the coach needs me to, you know, play on playing a, a really um, lethal small small forward, I, I can I can do that role. So I think I feel like I've got a few strings to my bow, um, and I want to continue to keep adding to those and, and make them even more lethal in, in the future. It's a, it is a, a good period of re-signings for Collingwood, uh, Isaac Quainor. You've, um, as I said, uh, my beautiful partner, Evie, uh, yourself and Braden Maynard are two of her favourites. So you've got Johnny Noble, who's re-signed, Scotty Pendlebury as well, and Trey Rusco. There's a, a great air of, of positivity um, and optimism around what's happening at Collingwood after a, a tough couple of years, and we all know the reasons why for them. Yes, there's been distractions in pre-season. I'm not even going to bother talking, Jordan, to go with you. I want to focus on you. And uh, what if you were to, if you were speaking to a friend of yours that might have been in another club, and and they're looking at where they want to go, and they say, "Well, what, what's so great about Collingwood? Why should I come to Collingwood? What would your answer be?" Well, I think like we've got such a such an exciting young group of boys. Like, I mean, we've got like tw- 20 of us. Who you know are, who are under the age of about 23, 24, and I think like that that's pretty exciting. And I think a lot of those boys got a lot of exposure, you know, potentially through injuries and you know all those things last year. But it's given those boys you know a lot of experience that you know they might not have had um, if those things didn't you know didn't happen. So I think the, just the culture that we're building with such a young group, um, and, and you know the connection that we have also with the older boys. You know that it's not like it's like the young boys be the older boys. There's a real blend through, and everyone kind of gets along. And yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I just feel so at home at that place, and it's you know, a big part of the reason why I just signed the three years. And how important is it for you and all those younger guys when, over the last couple of years, people have questioned what Collingwood stands for? What you know, what are they in terms of a culture? All those kind of things. How important is it for you guys to? I suppose, change some of those perceptions that might exist. Uh, how big of a thing is that for you guys to say, no, we, we do stand for something. We, we are a good club with good intentions and we want to be uh, not just good footy players, but good people as well and, and all those things. How, how 
crucial is that for you when you look at what you want to get out of your career and what you want to stand for? Oh, yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, for, for the most part, like, I mean, you can't read into too much as to what people out the club and externally who don't know what happens inside the four walls say. But, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of room for improvement and we've been well aware of it. And I think Craig, uh, Craig McRae has been huge in regards to directing us with that. And I think as, as a young group, we know we have that, that responsibility on us to kind of really, you know, direct the ship in a, in a sense and, and kind of, you know, we're, we're young, but we're, we're potentially the, you know, the future of the club, you could say. Mm. So, well, I think we're well aware of it. And I think, you know, the group we have, it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty professional group, a tight group, and it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think that's, that's, I'm pumped. Oh, I love it. Hey, great to chat to you, Isaac. Congratulations on, on the new deal. Really appreciate your insights. Your passion for the club really does come through. And I know that will um, not just impress the Collingwood faithful, but but any footy fan uh, that's listening at the moment. Mate, thanks so much. Good luck for the rest of pre-season and then for the season that's just around the corner. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. Isaac Quainor, what a good egg he is. That's just a fantastic young man. Uh, just great to chat to him. Uh, love to get your thoughts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. This is the Macca's run on SEN zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The temper text temper a mattress like no other. As the Justin Langer fallout continues, the head of the Players Association, Todd Greenberg, uh, spoke on SEN today. And then I want to take you to a little bit about what our latest Olympic gold medalist had to say. It's our first Winter Olympic gold since Lydia Lassila in twenty ten. Jakara Anthony was on SEN today. We'll hear from her on the other side of this as well. Well, I think both Pat and the players were put in, you know, a pretty tricky uh, position where they've got obligations, obviously, to the coach who they think fondly of, but, but also they've got obligations to their employer, which is Cricket Australia. So, you know, it's one thing I've learned uh, dealing with Pat Cummins over the last 12 months is there's no one with higher a level of integrity. Uh, and he's got firm views on how he sees the future of Australian cricket working and his role in that leadership. So, uh, you know, I think the players have handled themselves very well throughout this situation. There's been challenges, and there always is challenges when you're confronting these sorts of situations, but there's never an easy answer. I think the only easy uh, thing that we can all agree on is that ideally these decisions are made quickly because in the absence of decisions being made, it has a void of information, and that's why we're talking about it today and have been talking about it for several weeks. Todd Greenberg, uh, the Chief Executive of the Australian Cricketers Association, speaking to Dwayne Russell today on SEN. Get the full chat, sen.com.au. Um, he also spoke about the criticisms that have been levelled uh, at Pat Cummins uh, and his view uh, on those as well and on Pat Cummins having a say about the next coach, sen.com.au, to hear all of that. I've got some text I want to get through of yours as well, but Jakara Anthony won our first Winter Olympic gold medal uh, over the weekend since 2010 when Lydia Lassler saluted. Uh, she spoke uh, to SEN today about her mental approach to the Winter Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I just went in completely focused on myself and just trying to compete at the best of my ability. And, you know, that's a big mental game to allow myself to do that. And, yeah, I was just so proud of what I was able to achieve. It was incredible. Yeah, off the top, I think it's everyone's pretty focused on themselves. But once you finish your runs and get down the bottom and everyone just starts kind of frothing out on what everyone's doing, it's a really cool culture in our sport. And it's really special that everyone is, really so supportive of each other and he's driving everyone to be better. And I think that's one of the 
big reasons that um, particularly women's mobile skiing has progressed so, so much in the past four years, and it's awesome to be a part of that. Tessa Cody got our first medal uh, at the slope style. This is where it's sort of like a skate park in progression uh, going down the mountain on the snowboard. And this was someone that Georgie Parker told SEN in the lead-up was going to be a household name by the end of these Winter Olympics. Well, she got Australia's first medal, uh, which was a bronze, and uh, spoke to SEN today about some of the tricks that she landed. Oh, definitely they were some of my best tricks. I was so stoked to land them in a run um, all together. It's pretty hard sometimes to link up the bigger tricks together because you've got to put so much focus and energy into every single one. So, yeah, it was really nice to get the switchback nine and the front ten in a run together. Um, yeah, that felt so good. Yeah, to be honest, the um, final day for me was so much more relaxing than the qualifying day. I always find qualifying a lot harder, a lot more stressful. Um, so, yeah, on that final day, I was really... Uh, it was kind of crazy. I didn't really feel that much pressure. Like I just knew what I had to go and do and I knew that I could go and do it. So I just really wanted to land some runs and be stoked on them because at, at the end of the day, I think that's, that's all you can really do. Like in a judge sport, it's pretty tough sometimes if the judges don't like your runs and and it just doesn't work out for you on the day. So yeah, at the end of the day, all I wanted to do was land some good runs that I would have been proud of. Tess Cody, uh, speaking to SEN today. Uh, Josh Marnie, the GM of footy for the Essendon Footy Club, was on today. We've been reading uh, the stories around Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody uh, having taking some personal time away from the game. Josh Marnie provided an update uh, on where AMT is at. Players go through challenges at different stages through the year, and particularly last few years has presented players with different challenges, and there's different strategies and mechanisms, but sometimes the best thing to do is take a break from the club, and we think that's the best option now for but Wallow, and we look forward to him coming back and having a significant impact on our season. It's it's not a new thing for him, unfortunately, is it? I mean, he's had his challenges both physical and, and away from the club. Is is there a possibility that he doesn't play? I mean, do we need to ask that question? Is it a formality that he comes back, Josh? I can ask the question, but um, you know, right now, we're really confident that you know, just this period of, of time away, he's just sorted a few things out personally, and we know that he's really keen to get back to playing really keen to get back to the club. He loves coming to the club. He loves playing for, for the mm. Bombers. So, yeah, at this stage, we don't see any you know need to be thinking that way. Josh Marnie uh, with SEN Summer Breakfast. Sammy Edmund, Josh Jenkins this morning. Before we finish up, Sporting Capital up next. Uh, Peter Lawler, Chief Cricket Writer uh, for the Australian and one of our very own on SEN Cricket is going to join me at 7.30. Uh, David, I want to apply for the Australian Cricket Coaching position. CV, no experience. Winning, not important, but I will suck up to the players and do whatever they say. Must be a chance. Uh, and then Cricket Australia, KPIs that mean nothing, set precincts to get rid of players if other players complain. What happens if the team performance drops off? Will they sack the coach? Dangerous precedent. Uh, Sam, my concern was it was reported Langer thought he had the team support. He clearly didn't. So to me, that means the board and the players have orchestrated this behind his back. Surely that is a cultural problem. Back to square one. He lost the players. That never ends well off the text. Thank God you're back, Sam. So many people are speaking as if the Messiah has left the job. Just five months ago, the public were calling for Langer's head after being beaten by Bangladesh and the West Indies in the aftermath of losing to India for a second consecutive series. Uh, the, w, the T20 was a great performance, but beating a very weak England side in Australia isn't anything to get too excited about. It's not wonderful the stance the players and the board have taken. However, that's from Daniel in Lilydale. Uh, to Dean and to Michael and all the others that text through, sorry I couldn't get to them, but we'll do them in the sporting capital. Heroes and villains. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.